A's for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. So real quick before we get started, I just want to do a couple little housekeeping things. Um, Word. I wanted to let everybody out there know that our Patreon page is up and running. Patreon.com backslash A-I-F-A. That's A is for alcoholic. Patreon.com backslash A-I-F-A. And what we're trying to achieve here is to be able to get this message out to more people, get more listeners to the show. Um, And that's going to include things like subscription fees for uh, podcast hosting sites and getting on Spotify and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Please go check it out. If you can, throw a dollar in the basket. We appreciate it. We're going to be putting up all kinds of cool content. Uh, we're going to be doing interviews with, I'm, I've got an interview slated with a uh, business owner here who makes ice cream who's in recovery. Uh, Jerry's going to be hopefully talking to Recovery Raps, dude, maybe, if you can recovery find him. Recovery Raps. Well, He's not is, a rat. Oh, Ender One. I thought we were talking about the dude who's got the recovery wraps food cart where it's just all <laughs> like spinach tortillas. <laughs> no, no, not wraps. Like W. Damn. Um, yeah, I mean, I still got to talk to the guy. I haven't even talked to the guy yet. He's going to hit me up now on Instagram and be like, why are you talking about me? And I'll be like, because I love you, dog. <laughs> so we're trying to get some get some different stuff talking about we're going to have our holiday show we'll probably have our new year's eve show um you'll still get the regular content that we do here every single week a through z and um beyond but uh just wanted to put that out there patreon.com backslash a i f a so absolutely get with it get with it today's episode is o is for obsession yeah um I was reading about obsession mm-hmm. and um, well, there's two, there's two different things. We've talked about this before. There's the, um, the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. Mm-hmm. And so the craving is, is once you've had a drink, you crave more. So that's that sort of physical part of it. That's where right. your your body gets that sort of positive thing and goes, ooh, this is really good. And with us alcoholics, with me, um, it kind of triggers this idea of like it gives you the strong, positive dopamine hit that you get from food or sex. And your body starts to think, oh, we need this. This is important for survival. It doesn't just feel right. good, but I have to have this. And that's where that craving comes from. But outside of even having any alcohol – that's where the mental obsession lives and resides. And that sort of constant thinking about it and when you don't have it and how you're going to get it and when you're going to get it and, you know, well, and I, I'll be at the bar and it'll be 145 and I know that I got to call a cab and I got to hit that 7-Eleven to get that 18-pack and maybe I should get two of them because I want some people to come over so I can get 36 beers and have a couple more for the morning that I'm going to stash in my side drawer. And so it's like that crazy mental obsession that when you're drinking, that's kind of that way that you think about alcohol. Um, And I don't know how you, did you think about it a lot after when you first got sober? Was it? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's how I mean, I always knew the funny thing about alcoholism is that the <laughs> make, make me <laughs> laugh, <I'm>, Jerry. The, <laughs> well, the, the, the peculiar thing about it mm-hmm. is I think when it's viewed by normal society and I, I hate using the word normal, but when it's viewed by a non-alcoholic society, they feel like alcoholism in its whole is just the physical aspect of it. You have become physically addicted to a substance and that is just a portion of it. Um, the obsessive part is also runs in tandem with that physical portion. But then once that once you've sweated that shit out and your weeks have passed and you're done doing all that awful fucking, um, uh, you know, all that awful shit that uh, going through withdrawal and whatnot, there's still that mental aspect of it. There's a psychological a- aspect of it. And that's that's what the obsession was to me, that even three weeks after I had sweated it out and fucking had you know the shakes and 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 insomnia and all that like i still counted the seconds mm-hmm. i still counted the seconds and that to me was really profound because i was like oh shit this isn't just a physiological thing this is an actual mental thing that why would i return to this thing that has proven once again and again to like ruin my life and to fuck up my flow you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like why would i come back to that had to be a mental obsession but I mean, I, I showed um, me personally, I exhibited obsessive behavior even before I took a drink. I mean, even with <clears> girls, <throat> like I lost my virginity to this girl like 15 and she was like everything. And even in relationships after that, I'd be with women in my 20s and early 30s and they were like everything to me. Every everything. I mean, I would like obsess and obsess over mm-hmm. people. And the same with 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 booze. I would obsess and obsess over it. Yeah, it just yeah, it just became my my will. That was my will to live, you know. So, yeah, in early recovery, even up until mid recovery, even I mean, even I wouldn't say now the obsession is when they say in the rooms, the obsession is gone. I believe them. But for me to say the obsession is completely gone is inaccurate because it's still there. It's just there. It's just an afterthought, though. It's not. It's not screaming in a megaphone anymore. It's way in the back of the bus, mm-hmm. like whispering, you know. But it, it's around. Will it go away? God, I hope so. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's... I mean, yeah, maybe it will. Maybe it will. And if it doesn't, then I have to learn to live with that, you know. And that is that is what it is. You know? Some people, it's lifted right away. And some people live with it forever. And you hear, yeah. you hear stories mm-hmm. about people who have 10, 12, 15 years sober and they decide to go out. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, you know, a Michelob sounds really good today. And then a all Michelob? of a sudden, oh, what, it's always something, you <laughs> no, know, I know, every story I hear. And Michelob. somebody's like, yeah, I just thought I'd have a cold beer with lunch. And then, uh-huh. you know, they wake up in jail. And so it's, and I, I think that that obsession starts early on. I mean, they, they talk a lot about how, you know, you hear a lot of people say, Oh, I felt different. I felt like an outsider. I didn't feel like I fit in. I was yeah. always looking for something or someone, like, you know, whether it be a relationship or alcohol, looking for yeah. something to make me feel better. And yeah. I know that um, I certainly got obsessive in, in relationships in the past, too. But also with, with alcohol, I was always, it was always like, that's what we're going to do. Once I found out that I could, like, turn it on. Then it was like, okay, what are we going to do after work today? Okay, yeah. how are we going to do that? How are we going to mm-hmm. get there? How are we going to get the money? Where am I going to meet you? What's going to what's going to happen next? How's the weekend going to go? Always yep. planning for a party or or just or just how I was going to drink that day or that night. Yeah. 
-hmm. And near the end, it was my anxiety level was like at 12 or 13 all the time unless I had a drink. And then it was just down to about eight or nine. You know, it never. Right. It was it was not gone by any means, but it was always the plan of. Okay, I need to go get stuff to have to drink, or if I'm going to be working late, I need to make sure that um, there's alcohol at the house, or it's in the trunk of the car, or wherever it needs to be so that I'm not without it. And so there was that sort of obsession with it. And, you know, if you ever, if you're counting your drinks, like if I'm like when I would count drinks or I would make rules for myself, I don't think that normal people make rules about what time of day they can drink, you know, well, five o'clock somewhere. And yeah, it was, it was always those, those kinds of things. And it was always an obsession and it was always trying to work some deal or some just finagle something, you know? So it was always on my mind. And when I first got sober, I, you know, I, I isolated myself in my room for that first like month or so. I mean, before I ever even reached out to anybody or went to a meeting or anything. And I just watched TV and drank club soda and ate so many ice cream bars, man. Um, And I thought about it all the time. Like, okay, so this is it. This is the end, right? You ever Mm -hmm. had that? You had that thought like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. (sighs) Life is over. Well, no, it's really weird because while you're talking about it, I was thinking about my earlier recovery and how I got sober at my brother-in-law's house and he was a bartender and a bar manager. Mm-hmm. And I got sober with like a full liquor cabinet, like 15 feet away, like right behind me, a full liquor cabinet full of like the good bourbon too. Mm-hmm. Not not my cheap ass Evan Williams or Old Crow. <laughs> like he had like the, what's that? Uh, Van Rip Van Winkle and mm-hmm. all that shit back there, you know, and and uh, I'd go to bars. I would still go to bars sober, like a, a show. My brother in law's band would be playing, or a band I would want to <coughs> go see would go play. So we would, I would go with my wife to a bar, and then I'd sit there, and everybody around me would do shots and drink, and I was like so newly sober, like a month, two months, and I'd just sit there, like, ah, you know, through the whole thing, just. Like literally, I, I I couldn't think of a better analogy for it than like basically trying not to shit myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. just struggling with this thing that wanted to break out and it wouldn't break out. It was awful. It was a horrible thing for me to do. So I didn't isolate myself at all. I threw myself into the jaws of the damn thing without thinking about it, you know, just because this is my normal. Mm-hmm. So my normal is getting sober with a bunch of booze behind me and getting sober in a fucking bar. You know, it was after about a year uh, like, well, it petered off there after a while because the circumstances changed, you know, and once my daughter got old enough to start, you know, doing stuff and going to school and shit, then those weren't really options in my life. Uh, even now, now, actually, I'm more anxious in a bar now than I was before, which is funny. And it's I'm more anxious not because I'm like, am I going to drink, but because I cannot control the drunks around me and I have this weird control thing, bang, <laughs> alcoholic dude. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, actually, when we talk about obsession, because it, it, I always think about how I would go to this liquor store every day after work. And the liquor stores in Oregon close at 8. So I had to be there before 8, and I got out of work by 7. So either I'd send my counter person at the shop to go down there, or I'd run down there like at 6.30. And I'd go in there every day, and I would talk to the guy at the liquor store. And then one day he said, you're in here every day buying a fifth. 
Why do you keep going back to the fifth? Why do you keep buying booze every day? What do you get out of it? And I remember looking at him and telling him, dude, it's like if I were, it's, it was such a weird analogy. I was like, if I were on a running board of a car, it feels like I'm on the running board of a car that's driving like 40 miles an hour and I have jumped off the running board into an open manhole lid and made it. The first time I made it cold, solid, and I came out of there like the coolest guy in the world. Like, did you see my magic trick or whatever? Mm-hmm. And every night since then, I've been trying to replicate that same fucking trick, that same thing, that same trick, and never getting it. I'm always hitting the clip in the side of the manhole later, falling off the side of the car, and I'm always hurting myself. But I keep every single night, I'm obsessed with trying to replicate that same feat. That same daredevil feat that I had, that I had accomplished once, once in my entire drinking career. You know, that was my big analogy of the obsession mm-hmm. of trying so to wait. find that thing that was there. Uh huh. So he was it's, was he just like like trying to help you out, or was he trying to get you a deal on a on a on a gallon or something like that? I don't was know. I have no idea. It was a guy I knew as a friend of mine. Okay. He was just probably okay. trying to be. So a it was a little more. It was a little bad, more friendly conversation. I mean, you he's were like, why do you keep? Why do you drink like you drink? Okay. And I'm like. And I'm like, I'm trying to fucking, I'm manhole. evil Knievel, bro. I'm evil Knievel. <laughs> Got to get in that manhole. And then my second question was, why don't you drink like I drink, bitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really was. Like, why doesn't everybody drink like I drink? Why yeah. haven't they figured this out yet? I yeah. found this magical elixir that erases time. And fucking all my money disappears. <laughs> time, money, feelings. Well, yeah, yeah. all those things come right back in the morning. I, yeah. When I, I I spent the first three years, and I've only been sober for three and a half. Yeah. The first three years, I was a bartender, um, and I was in recovery. Yeah, and so, dude. I was hoping we'd get to this eventually, because <laughs> we don't ever talk about the fact that John was a career bartender for like a long time, for over a decade. Yes, I was a career bartender for, I think I have... I think technically I have like 13 years, but there's probably a couple more in food service and in bars and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I was a door guy. I'm glad Um, we're getting to this. Yes. So I I was, I would go to work and I kind of looked at it like, okay, well, bank tellers don't take home all the money, you know? (sighs) They don't, yeah. they just go and they count the bills <laughs> and they put them in the bundles and they put them in the machines. And so I would pick up bottles and I would pour drinks and I would talk to people about wine that I wasn't going to be drinking and, you know, new wines would come out. And, and I, for me, it was, it became, I had to look at it because I had to do this job. I had to have the job. I needed the money and I was still trying to figure everything out. And I looked at it as like, this is going to be my nightly reminder of why I don't want to drink anymore. Yeah. I mean, because people would come in and I ended that career at a very nice resort with some very high end clients who spent way too much money on wine, way too much Mm -hmm. money. And part of it was, it was hard to walk away because it was a very good job, but I just couldn't do it anymore. But that was that that feeling of like okay i know you are the reason that i don't drink anymore you are the reason why i'm gonna go home i'm gonna pop a club soda i'm gonna eat some ice cream and i'm gonna watch some netflix and i'm gonna be fine and i'm just gonna kind of and i was like you know white knuckling it there for a couple of months before i reached out to somebody and before i went to a meeting and before i got a sponsor and all that kind of stuff um but that was it was super intense at the beginning and I was very, I felt very, um, very raw 
about it. And people would want to go like, hey, let's go get a bite to eat. And people were all about like we used to sit at the bar all the time because that's where we hung out. And what, yeah. what happens when you sit at the bar and you know the bartender? They want to slide you a drink. Yeah. And what happens when they slide you a drink? You know, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this with you or with anybody, um, but that happened one of the very first times, like a few weeks in. And I went to the bar, the place I used to work at, and the guy was bartender slid this drink to some like it was fucking some sort of strawberry basil bullshit. You know, yeah. it's like, try this. Mm-hmm. And so my intention is to be sober. And my intention is I have like maybe two months and yeah. it slides over. I didn't even think about it. It was it was literally my hand went in, took the straw out, like put the finger on the straw and took a taste of it. Boom. And I was like, holy shit. I don't drink. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and so immediately the guilt and the shame and all the bad feelings like they just sort of blossomed in me immediately. It was more like a like a burst and I got all flushed and I was like, "Oh my god, can I even drive home? Because I felt kind of fucked up and weird. I felt like, right. I don't know if it's possible. I know it's not possible to get drunk off of like one straw taste of a mixed strawberry whiskey drink. But uh-huh. I felt like it. I freaked the fuck out. Yeah. I sat there the rest of the lunch. I didn't say anything. I felt all red and flushed. And I, I drove home and I was like, I got to go, man. I just got to go. I got to go. And I couldn't sleep that night. It was awful. It was fucking yeah. awful because I felt like I had betrayed whatever it is I was trying to do, you know, and in my own mind, again, this is before I reached out to anybody really. Yeah. Um, but it was absolutely obsessive just in that, in those, those kinds of things where you have, I have no control over it. I didn't have any control, so I had to stay away. And that's part of, I think that might be one of the reasons why I, I just stayed away from people and places that served alcohol Absolutely, early on. Yeah, I mean that just goes to show how we all we all come from the same place yet we take different paths, you know? And I think mm-hmm. with with this podcast and even with this subject in general, I guess what I what I'd like to convey to whoever's listening to this is that that obsession that you're feeling or have felt or maybe you're in the middle of, I've I know it. I know it intimately. Like I've <laughs> been there in bed with it. You mm-hmm. know, like and John knows it too. He's been yeah. there in bed with it. And even though John and I started at the same exact place, our paths went in two complete directions as far as our recovery is concerned. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think we're a little more in sync with our recoveries. <laughs> At least we're a lot more in touch with each other. Yes. But, you know, like the upset, I, I remember a speaker listening to an AA speaker meeting or a 12 step speaker meeting. Well, just an AA speaker meeting on a podcast. And the guy was saying that he would like count the seconds and he started like tapping on the podium and saying, you're not drinking, you're not drinking, you're not drinking. He would keep tapping on the podium like you're not drinking. And it it hit me like a thunderbolt, man, like like a lightning bolt. I was like, that was me. That was me. Like the minute I woke up and opened my eyes in the beginning, it was like, you're not drinking. I would check my app on my phone every fucking hour. All right. It's been this many hours since you've had a drink. Like I would even look at the, you know. It would tell you the days, the months, the, mm-hmm. you know, the weeks and the hours. And I'm just sitting here going, man, it's been like 500, 600, 700, you know, a thousand hours since you've had a drink. Like you can go one more hour. You know, it, that early part is a motherfucker. 
Yeah. I would never want to do it again. I, I got to say it even here and put it out on the internet. It'll be there forever. And, you know, <laughs> as if I hope, hopefully I'll be sober tomorrow, but I would never want to do that again. I would never want to do that again, man. Just, yeah. Yeah. It was a I, very my, raw, just raw feeling. That's all like, that's all I can yeah. explain it. Yeah, it's raw. Exactly. It's tough business. My hat's off to anyone who's going through that right now because you're a tough as fucking nails for going through that. Mm-hmm. That's tough shit, man. Yeah. Um, and I'll even give you a hat. You want a hat? <laughs> I got some cool ones. Got an Arizona should, Diamondbacks one. Make some beans yeah. for the winter. Just as tough as nails on it because that is just some gangster shit to go through that early process. You know, It really, really is, man. And it really is. And I, it's just I could have given up at that moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You had a strawberry whiskey drink right there, bro, man. You were in the den of iniquity, dude, you know? like. <laughs> oh, man. And I wanted to ask you, too, about that. That So there's that obsession that we always think about it. And then, you know, it it, it, it can branch out into other things, whether it be like oh, yeah. shopping or food oh, yeah. or um, any number of things. I know a lot of people... You know, it's all about like replacing that habit with something else, hopefully something mm-hmm. healthy. But like right. we talked about it a while back about my my ice cream addiction, which yeah. I still I still struggle with. That was um, tough as nuts. I bet in the beginning too. Yeah. Macadamia nuts. Dude, yeah. macadamia anyway. nuts. But I mean whether yeah, whether it be shopping or other things like I don't want to say gambling because that's a whole nother um uh Yeah, not maybe not gambling. But it's <laughs> All those things that you're like, well, fuck it. I need something, man. I'm just going to eat cookies. And it's like, I think in, in, in early recovery, whatever it takes to not drink, I say, yeah. I say, eat a bag of cookies, man. I say, sit down yeah. with a pound cake, um, take it to bed with just, you. <laughs> just don't make that like your daily shit, you know? No, but, no, no. But I would do it. I justified all the time, man. I would, me and ice cream and I never liked sweets until I got sober. I wanted salt and peanuts, solid peanuts and chips and shit. And then I got mm-hmm. sober and it was like, yeah, a bag of cookies. And then I'd be like, well, I'm not going to get a DUI for eating cookies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to like leave my wife for cookies, you know, or scream at my child because I ate too many cookies. <laughs> but, you know, you know, like these cookies yeah. are delicious. You fucking, you know, like, <laughs> but, uh. But I mean, if that's the device you have to use, if that works, go for it. I remember mm-hmm. someone, and I probably mentioned a previous podcast, someone told me, get a bag of hard Jolly Ranchers that'll get you through. And I was like, you're fucking crazy. I can't get Jolly Rancher drunk. But then I realized like my endocrine <laughs> system wanted sugar hella bad. So it I ate know. the sugar and it made me feel better. Mm-hmm. Know? And, you know, I still replacing those habits and finding something like, so the next step is, okay, I'm sober. I'm obsessed. I can't stop fucking thinking about it. What do I do? How do I, how do I get through this? I think, you know, for me, the first thing was, and it's, it's cliched, but it's, it's, it's cliched for a reason because it works is that one day at a time. Okay. You don't need to think about forever. Stop thinking about forever. Put it out of your mind. Right. Um, and that, that's what I had to do. And right. um, then you start to think like I would I would say, well, what else is there? What else can I do? What else do I like to do? You know, I recently started walking because I had to, you know, walk some of that ice cream weight off. And so yeah. I'll go out. <laughs> I go out every single day. I go out seven days a week. And I know that sounds like a lot. Sometimes it's just a mile or two. Sometimes it's like five miles and I don't push it. Um, if you like to read, 
I know that for the longest time, I didn't read while I was drinking. I gave up on it. I literally mm-hmm. gave up on it. I just didn't care. Yeah. I right. think later I found out too I needed glasses and that helped. But <laughs> <laughs> but but the, it's it's finding something. Somebody once said that recovery, and if you look at the word recovery, it's about recovering the person you used to be. And so finding those things that you used to like, those, whether it be a creative endeavor, I certainly have gotten way more creative than I ever was. As a lot more follow through, definitely. <laughs> more follow through. Yeah. Um, I do all kinds of art projects and video projects and read a bunch. Um, I take it, I take it those little tiny steps, you know, I definitely make sure whenever it is that I, I feel obsessed or I think about drinking or I think about I live with people and there's a there's there's booze in the closet right now. I think there's some like Bushmills or some Midori or something. I don't know. But whenever I think about it, I kind of just go, OK, well, that just means something else is up. Right. If there's if that yeah. obsession, if I if it if it goes somewhere, that just means I need to go like, well, what's what's up, man? Yeah, what's the thing going on that's making you turn to the that solution that doesn't mm-hmm. work? Yeah, yeah. So figure, ah. figure. I just try to figure that out, and, and you know, go back to H is for halt. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Um, mm-hmm. And it's it often branches from one of those four. So, uh, I mean, I'm well, still obsessed. Absolutely. I'd also like to add to yeah. one of the one of the um, really valuable things to me was to be able to reach out to another person who was going through what I was going through. Um, I mean, I know that the 12 step program we're in, they're all about like reaching out to another drunk. But I'm even saying you don't have to necessarily use this program where we use, but just it's really valuable to be able to find another person who's going through what you're going through because they can relate even if they've mm-hmm. even if they're in. Uh, you know, uh, later recovery, they can absolutely relate. They can absolutely relate. Hell, hit us up, send us an email, see what we mm-hmm. can do. Go to the yeah. go to the website. We're on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, the stop drinking Reddit is really great. Everybody absolutely. there is super yes. supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, our our backslash stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Find, just Reddit stop drinking. I just is- I had to finally go like, and it took me a long time too because I w- I went from. I went from drinking to sober and then overeating and then I was bored. Like I was just always bored, man. I was always yeah. fucking bored. And I thought, well, what the fuck am I going to do? If I don't figure out something, I'm going to drink again. And I, I didn't, you know, I just, it just took some time. So I think another thing is to just take it easy <laughs> and not take it right so we're going to do the one day at a time take it <laughs> easy, easy does easy it, does it. Mm-hmm. i mean right these things these 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 platitudes are platitudes for a reason that's what i was going to say they're they're clichés and platitudes for a reason uh, yeah mm-hmm. that one day at a time thing was very valuable as well because this is you can always trick yourself into thinking this isn't permanent it's just for today tomorrow i get to tear it up and mm-hmm. then tomorrow when you wake up go you know what? It's a great day. Maybe tomorrow I'll go and tear it up and then just keep doing that over and over again until you die or don't die. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did that I mention little, this to you before? negative, but... You know, no, not at all. It, not even yeah. tear it up. You just Keep say, doing it till you die. Yeah, the option's open. Yeah, you just keep doing it till you die. You keep doing yeah. it. I mean, 
And then you get to die being the person you were you were meant to be, the person you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That's who you gotta be. It's the person you want to be. Yeah. Thank you for listening to A is for Alcoholic. Our music is by Neglect. You can find more of his music at neglectsound.bandcamp.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And contact us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com.